How wide open is the window of opportunity for the Milwaukee Brewers? We're going to find out in a Brewers Locked On MLB crossover starting now. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Fans, and welcome to a Locked On MLB, Locked On Brewers crossover. This is the podcast we talk about all the Major League Baseball or just the Brewers all season long. I am the host of Locked On MLB. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan. Please, please call me Sully. Right over there is the host of Locked On Brewers. Sign in, please. Chuck Freeman, longtime sports caster here in the state of Wisconsin, sports talk show host, first year proud host. Of Lockdown Brewers. That's right. Well, we're going to have a... Uh, by the way, you can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. And for those of you who like to log in and leave comments, be sure to put the hashtag EverydaySully there so I know who's listening every single day. Thanks so much for making us your first listen and making Lockdown Brewers your second listen. Or if Lockdown Brewers your first listen, oh, come on over here. Go float down the river, Sully, and have me be your second listen. Follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram or whatever Twitter is called these days, or you can subscribe here on YouTube. My personal handle for Twitter is Sully baseball and it's Sully baseball podcast on Instagram. Chuck, where can they can find you? You can find me on Twitter, Chuck Freeman, F R E I M U N D around all the podcast downloads, the number one brewer podcast on the internet, Google, Spotify, Apple, the name a few. And of course search locked on brewers on YouTube Hit the subscribe button, hit that little bell there, and alert you every time you drop an episode here on Locked On Brewers, covering all the off-season news, just like you are, Silly. All right, now today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bet with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On. And before we get into the business, let's go through the trivia question. The trivia question from yesterday's show was the first ever number one draft pick ever selected when they started the draft in 1965. Do you know who the first ever draft pick was? Do you know who it was? Rick Monday? It was Rick Monday. The question was, who was the second pick? The second pick? Yep. Hmm. Oh, God. Uh, it wasn't Bobby Valentine, was it? He was number one, wasn't he? No, no. It was uh, Mets pitcher Les Rohr. Would have never guessed it. Exactly. He pitched one game for the 1969 Mets. Okay. Now, here's an interesting fact. The first two drafts, people like to criticize Charlie O'Finley, the former owner of the Oakland A's, for being crazy and doing making wrong baseball decisions. But he also was the GM of that team. Now, the first two picks, the A's had the first overall pick in the first ever draft, and they drafted Rick Monday, who went on to have a very nice career, became an all-star, and ultimately the A's flipped him for Ken Holtzman, who was a 20-game winner when they won the World Series multiple times. The Mets had the number two pick and whiffed horribly with the with our fellow Les Roar. The next year, the Mets had the first pick. Do you know who they picked? Steve Chilcott, who Steve tied, Chilcott would have been my guest. <laughs> who tied me 
in every major league category because he never made it to the majors. Okay. The A's had the number two pick. Do you know who they picked? Mm -mm. Reggie Same. Jackson. Okay. Same team, same era. So what I'm saying is the A's got the hang of the draft. Could you imagine if the Mets had drafted Reggie Jackson? Now, Rick Monday was already off the board. Later on in that draft, instead of picking Les Roar, let's say they picked, I don't know, someone who was picked much later, like um, Johnny Bench. Imagine if Johnny Bench and Reggie Jackson were on the Mets together. I'm not saying. Well, I'm just saying. They would have destroyed each other. That's probably true. They would have. Did you did you see uh, the Bronx is burning? Oh yeah. Oh, and I've read books and books and books about the Charlie Finley A's. I mean, yeah. but but I'm just saying that it would have been it would have been interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's. Uh, by the way, those sort of what ifs are going to be a big part of my Friday shows from now on. I'm going to be going through. I can't. I can't determine if I'm going to call them what if Fridays or alternate universe Fridays. So what I want you to do for my everyday Sully listeners, I want you to help me pick the name of what we're going to call that segment on Fridays. Is it going to be Alternate Universe Friday or What If Fridays? Basically, we're going to be talking about things that almost happened. A bounce here, a bounce there, a decision to sign a play this player instead of that, a decision to make a franchise move instead of this one. Or in the case of what I'm going to be doing next week is talk about some of the injuries that teams had just before some of the great World Series and NLCSs that if they had avoided them would have changed the course of baseball history. And one of them involves the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, and I know what direction you're going to go on that one too. See, I, I you already had five All-Stars on that team. You had five Hall of Famers. What Even direction had, am I going on that team? Oh, With Raleigh. Raleigh Fingers. Raleigh yeah. Fingers, the best reliever in the American League, was injured going into the playoffs, and the Brewers' bullpen blew at least one key game. In yeah, that, they still had Pete Ladd, though, who just died. Yes, may he rest in peace. May he rest um, in peace. Good guy. Um, but yeah, I just you know people want to blame it on them, but again, you had all stars and Hall of Famers up and down that lineup. Still should have beat right. the Cardinals in '82. I still yeah. think they should have beat the Cardinals in '82. Well, I, you know who you should have beaten the Angels. Oh, they should have been Brewers with the Angels. The Angels were an all-star team. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. With you know, you look at the Fred, Li Fred Lynn, who Jim won the Rooney. MVP. Yeah. Um, Baylor, Reggie Jackson, Rod Carew, Bobby Gritch, Doug DeSenses, Tommy John in that rotation. Mm -hmm. I mean, the I remember I watched uh that final game, uh game five between the Angels and the Brewers. And this was so long ago the Brewers were in the American League and the Angels were in California. And they were the California and, Angels. Yeah, exactly. And I remember when they did the introduction of the lineup, I was just shaking my head going like, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Angels lost this game, right? They, they How did they, how did they lose this game? Mm -hmm. And then I remembered who was the manager of the Angels. Gene Mock. Gene Mock, yes. And... Someone other than me said this, uh, and I'm, I wish I can quote who the person was, but Gene Mock could make any great team good. <laughs> he did it to a lot of teams. Yes, he? yes, he did it to the Expos. He did it to the Twins. He did it to the Phillies. 
You give him a great team, and he'll get a good season out of him. But he always managed to get a job. Yeah. By the way, uh, a couple of things I just want to cover before we do our big, big deep dive into the Brewers. Uh, I talked, and, I, and the, the uh, it looks like um, Yamamoto has officially posted from the Buffalo. So the feeding frenzy is going to come about for Yamamoto, the top one of the top pitchers in the Japanese league is going to is going to make more money. His his great grandchildren can go to law school. They'll be fine. He'll be just mm-hmm. fine. And I mentioned the other day about Aaron Nola resigning with the Phillies, and I'm going to be have a conversation upcoming episode with uh, Brett Chauncey of Locked On Astros about how that will affect the Framber Valdez situation in Houston. Um, and a couple other I mentioned the Lance Lynn agreeing to deal with the Cardinals. I talked a little bit the other day about Brandon Woodruff. And I talked a little bit about the fact that Woodruff has been non-tendered and that he is in a situation where um, he's pretty much not going to play. In uh, he's, fr- he's not going to be at least much of a factor in uh, in – um, 2024, 2024. That's the word I was looking for. Right. And, um, but it's an interesting situation, I think, because it is a, it's an interesting situation in one way, because I think that if you're a team that may be looking forward to the 2025 season, that picking him up and saying, all right, we're not getting much of a next year, but he may be able to contribute in a year. If you're a team that is has their eye for any a year from now, that might be a great pickup. What was the Brewers' situation when they decided to just you know give up on him? I just don't think they wanted to pay the two yeah. years because you probably would have had to give him a two year deal, mm-hmm. and you would have had to pay for 2024. Pay for 2025. I mean, he says he's going to come back at 2024, <laughs> but, you know, Sully, realistically, probably 2025 if, and you're banking on a guy with a shoulder injury. Now, I think Mark Atanasio, the Brewer owner, just got gun shy. See, the Brewers, when when they sign guys like that, when they take chances, it's got to be at a low rate. They, they can't afford to have a, a, a deal where they're paying $25 million over two years and the guy's not pitching or he never pitches again. You know, they gave a couple of bad, you know, I think Yelich is a bad contract. I think Ryan Braun is a bad contract when, when he was, when he was playing. So Mark Antanasio has given two very big long-term contracts like that. And it's, it's burned him. And I think that's what he looked at here. I just think that, you know, he, he didn't want to pitch. He didn't want to pay for a guy who was not going to pitch in 2024, even though he, Woodruff says he's coming back later in the year, but I just didn't, they didn't want to roll the dice. The margin of error is so thin with the Brewers of, you know, financially trying to sign guys like that um, because they got to hit on everybody. Right. Well, look, at it, it's called making bets. Yeah. And we're going to talk about making bets with another player named Corbin Burns. But first, I was mentioning making bets. Let's talk about FanDuel. Now, look at this is the NFL season. Evidently, there was a game between the Chiefs and Eagles today. I just found out about it. But if you're <laughs> going to be making any bets on it, go to FanDuel, America's number one sports book. 
Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Who won tonight, by the way? Philadelphia 21-17. I had the over, of course. I should have let everybody know that I had the over because that would have meant to go under the 40. There There you go. Was Taylor Swift there? I don't know. I don't remember seeing him, but I know or her, but I remember her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, dropped a few passes in the fourth quarter that hurt his team. They never showed her. They showed the mother um, because, you know, his brother was playing for the Eagles, but I didn't. I don't think she was. She's overseas, I want to say. Well, I know. I think we better shake it off. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use that there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, Taylor Swift appearances, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. Um, you are talking about having to hit with every contract. Uh, I'm just out, just going to say one name, just a total random, Corbin Burns. Um, what is the fate? What is going to be going on here? Is he going to be signing long-term with Milwaukee? And, you know, what? what's the situation going to be? Or is he going to be, you know, first and foremost of the trade market? Yeah, first of all, I don't think he's going to sign long-term with the Milwaukee Brewers. And th- he's going to go to arbitration, maybe. They might trade him before that. I don't think they're going to settle. Corbin's been unhappy with the Brewers this past year because, you know, they went to arbitration last year and the Brewers wouldn't give in on $750,000. I understand it because, you know, the Brewers aren't going to pay $750,000 for a, a player uh, more if he's not going to be here long term. So I think they are going to try to trade him in the offseason um, because they could let him play and pitch next year, but he's not going to, there's no way. They are, there's no way. They're going to be able to sign him to a long-term contract, and that really hurts the team because they're going to be without Woodruff, and they could be without Burns if they trade him in the off-season. Right. So you're talking about really the strength of your team. The top two guys in your starting rotation are not going to be, could not be, may not be on the opening day roster. Yeah, and this just a few years, just in 2021, mm-hmm. this looked like it was going to be a pitching-oriented team for the next yep. bunch of years. Yeah, and and here we're sitting here. I mean, I I know I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but you know it's it is interesting in one point because you know the Cardinals wet the bed so badly last year, and the Brewers did emerge as especially since the Cubs couldn't get out of their own way, and both the Pirates and the Reds had nice stretches, but you know the Pirates were a playoff team in early June, and mm-hmm. the Reds became a playoff team in mid June and into July, but, and I think both of them have some talent on their team and might, and, you know, are trying to make strides going in 2024. But I remember last year, I was saying the only team looked like they were putting together a winning team was St. Lou and St. Lou just did an absolute Hindenburg. So, I mean, there's part of, I mean, I hate to be Pollyanna about this, you know, the Cubs are going to be improved, obviously, a little bit, but I, I don't see them making a gigantic leap forward. This still looks like it could be the Brewers' division. Well, they got to get some runs. They got to score some runs. They got to find some way to score some runs, and that would be plugging up 
the two spots on the corners because they don't get nothing. They don't get anything offensively from those two positions, first base or third base this year. I thought they might resign Mark Hanna. They didn't. They didn't tender him. They traded yeah. him uh, to Detroit. So, but offensively, if they're not going to have those two guys at the top of the rotation, which you know, like it, it probably looks like that's going to be the case. No burns. Uh, you better get better offensively. But they were just so bad, Sully, this year, scoring runs and all that, that they lean so heavily on their pitching staff. I don't see them being able to lean as heavily on their pitching staff this upcoming season. Because right now, Freddie Peralta would be your number one starter if you traded Corbin Burns. Freddie's a good number three. He's not a number one. He had a great year by his standards so far, and he's still growing as a pitcher. Um, but he's gonna. I don't. I don't look at him as a number one. They got to get better offensive. They got to find some way to score some runs and and get some players in here who can move guys around the base pass because too often this past season we're sitting here and it's sixth or seventh inning and it's one nothing or two to one yeah or zero zero and it's like somebody please score these pitchers are keeping them in the ball game but and the bullpen was great last year too we'll see if yeah. some of those guys in the bullpen are able to equal but you have to prove the offense. Let me ask you about like Jefferson Cuero or Jackson Churillo or mm-hmm. Tyler Black. Despite you know the what I call the the presidential three, because all three of them have a first name that is the last name of a former president. <laughs> I never Jackson, thought of that. Jefferson and Tyler. Um if there if there was a Harding, Pierce, Buchanan, and uh Johnson, uh, we can we could hit all of the obscure presidents. Mm-hmm. There's got to be an Arthur out there somewhere. I think that's all. I think two of the, you just named two of my divorce attorneys, but that's all right. Well, look at yeah the law firm. Well, yeah the law firm <laughs> of Jefferson, Jackson, and and Tyler. Uh, yeah. By the way, I just noticed that myself. I saw Jefferson, Jackson, and Tyler. Wait a minute. Yeah, there you go. They're the all presidents. All presidents. Yeah. All of them. Um, and it's an election year, so we're, maybe we can. Uh, are any of those three? Uh, ready for the show and could give the team a boost in the, you know, on, on the big league level. Well, Jackson Churio is right now the second or third rated, the second or third best minor league prospect. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and he could win a spot during spring training. They have a crowded outfield. They have a lot of young guys out there, so he could still win a spot and they could deal with some of that young talent they have there in the outfield. But, you know, Churio, He's doing well in Venezuela. He yeah. did well at AAA. He's, um, you know, he tore up AA down yeah. at Biloxi. So, yeah, he would be, a, a, you know, unless he fell on his face, I think he's got a shot at making the roster. Uh, Tyler Black, maybe so, too, you know, at third base. I, I Or maybe first, one of the corner spots. He's either going to play first or third base. Right. Um, Jefferson, I don't know about Jefferson just yet. He's got major league potential. I don't know if there's a spot for him just yet on this roster, but the other two guys, definitely. Well, look at, I'm going to push back on you a little bit, Chuck. Now look at, I'm not trying to tell you, I, you've obviously forgotten more about the, the Brewers than I ever will. I still think Larry Heisel is playing, but when you say in one sentence, they need as many runs, their offense is dead. Mm-hmm. And then you say they've got a crowded outfield. Uh, there's part of me is saying, do you know what? At some point, if someone's the best player and you you may have to push Tyrone Taylor aside, you know, you may have to push someone else. You know, who are, you know, I don't think there's this team's offense. I don't think anyone 
Christian Yelich included, that you can look at as like, oh, you're you're unmovable. You're unmovable. I mean, Yelich had a disappointing year last year, and yes, you're probably going to give him a little more rope than somewhere else, but at some point, maybe you look at Yelich and moving to first or moving to the designated hitter role if it means getting a young, exciting player into your damn lineup. Sully, you have been listening to Locked on Brewers, I could tell, because this is what I've been talking about on the show. I'm not opposed to trading Christian Yelich at all and unloading that contract to somebody like the Dodgers. You might have to pitch in a little bit uh, financially, but yeah, I, I'm I'm good with moving Christian Yelich if we can get some pitching, first base or third base. I think the Brewers need to get from underneath that contract. For what I told you like earlier on, the Brewers can't afford to miss on contracts. When they signed Yelich, they signed him with the intention of him being one of the best players in the game. He's not. No, nope. he didn't have a horrible season, but he didn't have a season of I. You know, when the Brewers signed somebody to make twenty six million, this they're at a spot where that guy's got to be an all star, and Christian wasn't. But it's been like this a long time. He hasn't been good since twenty nineteen. So yeah, I'm I'm good with moving. Heck with moving the DH. Heck with moving to uh, you know the bench or whatever. Move him and get some talent in return, and get maybe a veteran pitcher to return too. Again, you may have to kick off some money on that contract. I I also thought about how about a package deal with Yelich and Burns somewhere. I was about to say the. I was waiting for you to take a breath. I was going to say the exact same thing. That's what when you know like when the the Red Sox acquired. Beckett, they took on mm-hmm. Mike Lowell's contract as well. When the Red Sox unloaded Mookie Betts, the Dodgers had to take David Price's contract as well. Maybe that's going to be the situation. To get out of that contract, you say, look, you want Corbin Burns? You also have to get us out of this contract situation. You know, This, this is what happens when you put two veterans together like you and I. We think alike. Yeah. We, think it, we think ahead and we think stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. And if you're if you're a team with deep pockets, I know you're probably not going to make that deal with the Cubs. But I I I also have the mentality. I don't care who you make the deal with. If it's going to make the team better, who gives a damn if it's someone in the same division? That's right. It's funny. Again, I said that last week. I said, you know what? I don't care if you trade Corbin Burns to the Cubs or the Cardinals or whatever. And, right. And, you know that there's an old theory. Oh, you can't make a deal with somebody in your own division or the enemy and all that. What if well, that's what the if best you- deal? Exactly. I don't. I could never understand that mentality, because when that GM trades Corbin Burns the Cubs and he beats the Brewers, then he looks bad. That's what it is. It's these guys with these egos. So you know, it's, here's, that's what it is. here's where it can get better though. If you trade them and they break down as a Cub, mm-hmm. yeah, then you're like, then it's kind of yeah. like when the as a Boston fan when Jacoby Ellsbury, whom I loved as when he was with the Red Sox and he signed mm-hmm. with the Yankees. And I think was uh, on his in the second game with the Yankees was in a full body cast. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, there was a sense of yeah, sure, dude, sign him during his breaking down period. You know, Red Sox have him when he wins World Series, and you have him when he's collecting checks at a full body cast. So you know, look at this is folks. This is why you get veterans together. You need you need veteran experience. Mm-hmm. You do. You need veterans to win. Yeah, you could rebuild and. You know, the common thing is with the sports. Chuck Freeman walk, talking right through the commercial break there. Talking you know? right through. The, yeah, you talk right through the commercial break, and oh. I love it. I love oh, that's yeah. how much yeah, you that's how much you love. That's how much you want to talk brewers right there. We're back. We're back with Chuck Freeman. He didn't stop. He didn't stop talking. He didn't hope stop talking. They, I hope and they caught some of the, my, my uh, wisdom of words. Everything right. you said was brilliant. <laughs> everything you said was brilliant. And in fact, 
let me tell you something. It's the kind of thing that you want to see, you know, streamed 24-7. Now, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on the YouTubes and subscribe to the first ever national 24-7 streaming channel. You may even see your pal Sully, or you may see Chuck Freeman. Or you may see Stacey got so you may see a lot of people on there. So check it out. Yeah. Check it out. If you're if you're up, if you're feeding your baby and it's it's two thirty in the morning, it's on. I guarantee you. It's on. It's on, it's on, it's on. Um, hey, uh in our last segment here, I do want to talk a little bit. Um the uh obviously you know, losing your manager to the Cubs, that that was uh Everyone in their cow thought he was heading to the Mets. It uh, didn't happen. The Pat Murphy years have begun. Um, they brought in a guy who does have major league manager experience, albeit in an interim uh, situation with the Padres. Um, but he is someone who is experienced with the team. Mm-hmm. So at least in my estimation, they're trying to basically have some sense of continuity. They could very well have just, started fresh but that's you know pat murphy you know good baseball man what is uh what's the thoughts process here as the pat murphy era has begun in milwaukee well it just seems like we're gonna have co-managers here with pat murphy and ricky weeks as the associate manager there's no that was an associate manager well it just sounds like he's the manager in waiting i mean one of two things it sounds like okay if murphy falls on his face Fans are going to be calling for Ricky Weeks to take his spot, okay? Um, and it also sounds like Ricky Weeks is an intern to Murphy. He's learning the game. And then when Murphy, you know, whenever he decides to step aside, it's Weeks' job. So is it Murphy, the manager? Are they co-managers? What's going to happen here? It's just really confusing. Because when Council was manager or anybody else in Major League Baseball, you know who the manager is, you know the bench coach is, you know the pitching coach is, silly. But in this case, Yasumi Murphy's the manager, but when they had the introductory press conference, you know who was sitting at the press table? Matt Arnold, Pat Murphy, and Ricky Weeks. Who, When you name a new manager, who has their bench coach, associate manager, who has their assistant coach next to him? At least give him a press conference. At least let the guy have a press conference. But they did it with um, Ricky Weeks. Yeah, year. I know. I know. It's, it's surreal. I actually, Is that weird? That is surreal. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, but just, yeah, call him the bench coach. You know, say yeah. he's on our coaching staff. Yeah. Yeah, everyone knows Ricky Weeks is someone who is, it was a, you know, may very well be a fine manager and everything like that. But can you give Pat Murphy a little bit of, uh, a little bit of wiggle room? Yeah. By the way, uh, Pat Murphy took over when, um, Bud Black was let go of the uh, of the Padres, mm-hmm. uh, but one man. This is not the trivia question, but because I'm going to tell you. But in between uh, Bud Black's firing and Pat Murphy, there was an interim manager for one game. Do you know who the interim manager was for one game on that San Diego team? Rick Monday, Dave Roberts, Dave Roberts, really, Dave Roberts. Okay. Technically managed one game for the Padres, 
And the next year, he replaced Don Mattingly and has been the Dodger manager ever since. I feel like Rick, I feel like Dave Roberts is always in the hot seat. Yeah. He is. I, I, oh, I'm, I'm living, I'm living here in LA and there are people uh, who want him out all the time. Yeah. Yeah. All the um, time. I don't, I don't, I don't get it really. I, I, he makes some strange managerial decisions, but so did Francona. So did Joe Torrey. How mm -hmm. so did Casey Stengel? Um, I, I think that it's, it would be rough. There was, a, there are some people who thought he may have been ousted this year after, you know, two straight years and they've combined for one playoff win. Mm -hmm. um, although winning a hundred games each year, uh, I think it would be brutal to have let him go this year because I mean, the, the, there were so many injuries to the Dodgers starting pitching staff. I don't know if you remember this. I, I was an opener one game. They brought me in. They, I, they said, you're only going two innings, but uh, you know, let's, let's make it happen. I, I was joking because I have a kid in my, my special ed class that I teach. I have a kid who's on the spectrum who's a huge Dodger fan. Mm -hmm. And I was joking with him at the beginning of the playoffs. I said, like, you're going to pitch. You know that, right? He's like, no, no, I don't think I No, I'm not. Yeah, you're going to get Dodger to call you to pitch. And when I saw that Clayton Kershaw only lasted a third of an inning, I wrote to I wrote to one of my teacher aides, and let's just call the student D, and I said, uh, you know, D only recorded uh, one fewer out than Clayton Kershaw did. <laughs> How could D have done worse than Clayton Kershaw? Um, but yeah, that it's tough to, you can't blame Roberts for that. No, you know? no. And, I, and, and, and they had freaking Lance Lynn starting one of the, the a do or die playoff game, you know? So I, I think a lot of the criticism of Dave Roberts is unfair. I've always thought he's a good man. Yeah. Well, I've I'm, always I'm, thought I'm a, a Boston man. fan. I obviously, I, I obviously revere him. Oh, sure. <clears throat> well, sure, look at what are your, uh, before we wrap up here, what's your one wish list thing, realistic wish list? You know, I mean, obviously you want Otani to sign in Milwaukee, but one realistic wish list uh, thing to happen to Milwaukee this offseason? Well, I, I think realistically, um, I would love to see them get a – God, I would love to see you – know, you've heard of Pete Alonzo of the Mets. I've heard of him. You've heard of that guy? I've heard um, he's a, I, I hear he's a polar bear. I'd love to have him doing whatever he wants to do at first base for the Milwaukee Brewers. We have the polar plunge in Milwaukee. So if he wants to do that, more power to him. I want Pete Alonzo. That'd be my, my Christmas list. If you could put Pete Alonzo, I'd trade anybody not named Jackson Churio for Pete Alonzo, put him at first base. I know he's got the, you know, one year left, I believe it is until he hits free agency, but I take my chances with Pete Alonzo. Are you listening to me? If the Dodgers don't sign Otani, Mm -hmm. You do a three-way trade. The Dodgers take Yelich and Burns, and then you, you, the young you get you a couple of young players are coming back, mm -hmm. and you send some of those young players to New York, and Pete Alonso comes over. Boy, that's pretty complicated. I am, but I'm a complicated man. <laughs> you think that's uh, what? Would all the numbers work correctly for all three of the teams? I don't know. I'm just I'm sitting in my basement, in Pasadena. So what do I know? <laughs> Well, look at Chuck. Chuck Friedman, thanks for jumping on and like doing this crossover. Absolutely. Anytime. Um, tell people where they can listen to your show. Yeah, Lockdown Brewers, Google, Spotify, Apple. We're on all the major downloads. YouTube, go to Lockdown Brewers on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. We're there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then, of course, follow me on Twitter, Chuck Friedman, F-R-E-I-M-U-N-D. 
And let's go over the trivia question here, and you can send the answers to Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram, or Locked On MLB Pods on Twister. Uh, Twister. May, might as well call it Twister because I will not call it the other name. Uh, Instagram or down here on the YouTubes. We were, we're talking about the Brewers. We talked about draft picks. Who is the only number one overall draft pick in Milwaukee Brewers history? Don't answer, Chuck. I know you know. I want those answers down there. I, okay, John Murphy Jr. and everyone else who loves to chime right in. Okay, Court Snell, come on, Amy, out there. I want to see. I want to see you. Uh, uh, everyone who likes to get, who likes to come in there. All right, Marcel in Switzerland likes to throw in those answers. Come on, let's see it. Brewers have only had the number one pick overall once. Who was it? So, talking about the state of the Brewers, the state of the NL East. And the state of the offseason and making some really far-fetched trades with Chuck Freeman of Locked On Brewers. I'm your pal Sully of Locked On MLB. Thanks for listening.